This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. And, and I think you can talk to the players about this because I don't want to release, you know, what was said, but I couldn't have been more proud of these men, both black and white, um, the way they presented themselves and what they talked about. Um, you know, it, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a special group. And then obviously with their owner, Shot Khan, even, even uh, Dave Caldwell, you know, the way they, they've come out and supported, you know, what the players are discussing is... Uh, think it's just outstanding. That's Doug Marone earlier today as the Jaguars march from Jags headquarters, team headquarters at TIAA Bank Field, to JSO, the steps of the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, and it's about a .9-mile march. Uh, they marched there, left at 9.04, and uh, arrived about 9.33, uh, the whole group. Uh, used the sidewalks. Uh, it was not down the middle of the street. It was very orderly. Uh, in conjunction, I, I think, I, with JSO would be a proper way to say it. Uh, it was in coordination, at least, uh, with some roads blocked off or, or at least presence to maintain a peaceful nature of it. And uh, then a couple more words were said on the steps of uh, JSO by uh, Marcus Pollard and running backs coach uh, Terry Rubisky and powerful words from Chris Conley. And then uh, everybody turned around and marched back uh, to the stadium where Doug Marone then said comments like that you just heard. So that was this morning at uh, Jags headquarters, the organization and the team. If, if you're just jumping in on this, this was an initiative from the players and coaches. And they extended, from what I understand, the invitation then to the remaining staff Mm -hmm. inside the building, which really isn't inside the building because of the pandemic. But you know what I mean? Uh, And then a lot of family members of all showed up. Uh, Josh Allen's uh, had his little guy there uh, on his shoulders. Uh, There were uh, a bunch of little kids and and wives and um, co-workers. So it it was uh, it was pretty powerful morning. And uh, amongst the stars of the morning. If uh, it's okay to put it in in that context, although I don't think he would like me to do that, was Chris Conley, the Jaguars wide receiver. Chris Conley's interesting. Chris Conley was really not happy at the end of last year. Chris Conley was here in Jacksonville because of Nick Foles, essentially. Uh, I always heard the story is Nick Foles basically went into the office when he arrived in Jacksonville, said, you need to go get the best third wide receiver in the game. (laughs) And that is uh, Chris Conley. And Chris Conley ended up being signed. You know, and so their relationship uh, really is the reason Chris Conley was in Jacksonville. Well, look what happened. Uh, Gardner Minshew becomes the guy and uh, he plays and Conley had a nice year Had an OK from a value standpoint, thought he had a good year uh, and he's a good player. He's, hasn't been a great player in the league, if we're being totally honest, mm-hmm. but he's a good player. And uh, he we had him on our show at Top Golf just about every week. And he was pretty honest. He said, hey, things need to change. From a football standpoint, and if I'm if I want to be around this thing, things need to change. Now the team had an option to keep him coming into 2020, but the way that works, and you can maybe speak to this a little bit more, Austin Lane. If if team has an option, you can still kind of say, hey, don't pick this thing up. Like, don't, oh don't yeah. Like, listen, I'd rather not be here. Yeah. If, if now you not, might not always get your way, team might still do it. But yeah. I think it's kind of an unwritten thing with a team option. 
you either want to be here or you don't. So depending on your productivity, obviously a team could always keep you um, regardless of what you say. And I think if you go off of Chris Conley's numbers last year, I mean, they're, they're pretty good. I don't think they were obviously a Pro Bowl level type numbers. So if Chris Conley wanted to say, you know what, uh, I'm over the situation here in Jacksonville. I'm, I'm over that 6-10 and 10 season. I want a fresh start. Nick Foles probably going to be gone, so go ahead and get me out of here. Um, I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars, if he requested that, probably would have respected his wishes. Yeah, and, and again, I don't think it would be guaranteed. But I think those are the conversations, at least, that might take place between team and player. Correct. Well, think about what happened. I wondered about that. I wondered if a guy like Chris Conley would ask out. Nick Foles gets traded away, or he kind of knew Minshew would be the guy. Uh, and, well, here we are, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know if Chris Conley did say, hey, let's get me out of here or not. But he did indicate today he's, he's developed great relationships and likes the Jacksonville area and, and those things. So uh, maybe he didn't, you know, those conversations may have never taken place. Jaguars wanted to keep him, good value, a veteran presence. And that kind of brings us to today. Uh, we wonder on this show often about the roster of this football team, how young it is. We wonder who are going to be the leaders of the football team. Calais Campbell is a leader in this community. He's loved in this community. He's loved in that building. They traded him away. A.J. Boyer traded away. Some of the veterans gone from this team, they still have some. Brandon Linder uh, is, is one that comes to mind. He's, he's worn the captain jersey. Avery Jones, who led this march this morning, the most tenured player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Chris Conley comes to mind as well. He's a veteran guy in a young room. Did he just earn a C today? Hmm. I mean, is that too outlandish? I know that wasn't his goal today. I know it's bigger than that. This wasn't about football. Yeah. But how much respect did Chris Conley gain today? In this community, but also in the locker room from a bunch of young guys. Yeah, you know, there, there's always a saying in a locker room where when one player hurts, we all hurt. Okay, whether that's you know the death of a family member, whether that player is going through something. I mean, players in the locker room are going to embrace that teammate, and obviously the the way that Chris Conley was able. Um, to put his words and his energy out there for everybody to hear, it was a very emotional um, and passionate-driven speech. And obviously that's going to resonate with a lot of his teammates in that locker room. So his teammates are immediately going to gravitate around him and, you know, kind of put him up on a pedestal a little bit because he was kind of, the you know, the the speaker, the representative, if you will, um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of players. So... You asked the question, I mean, is that going to get him a C? Is that going to get him, you know, this new status, if you will, in that locker room? Will it get him a C? Take the C out of it because I don't think the C is what's important right now. It is going to propel him into a new leadership status if it wasn't already there already. I mean, I don't know. I don't spend every single day in the locker room, so I don't know what Chris Conley brought to the table last year. But he is going to find himself with new air now. He's he's going to find himself in a new level of a status in that locker room. Is that going to earn the C? Possibly. But I'll tell you what, man, I think what he did today uh, going forward is going to be even more important than earning a C on your chest, right? Because um, when players need someone to talk to, when players need someone to try to speak for them, because maybe their words aren't as eloquent, they're going to go to Chris Conley. 
So you can call it a C if you want to. You can go like you know Charlie Conway and I think it was D three Mighty Ducks where it's like it's not this it's not the letter to see on um, the jersey that's important. It's what's inside. You can go ahead and say that the most cliche thing ever, but it really rings true right now for Chris Conway. And by the way, what we mean by the C is the captain. I know yeah, probably yeah. more specific, assuming everybody knows. But uh, captain and and listen, I think it comes back to another from Chris Conway CC to another CC, and that's Calais Campbell again. Yeah. I, I I think about Calais a lot over the last week. Mm-hmm. and uh, he's now with the Baltimore Ravens. I think about how valuable he would be with Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Uh, I really did. I have. I've thought about that this week uh, mm-hmm. in this community. Again, he had established deep ties in this community already mm-hmm. uh, and so respected and loved. And, and if you want love and you want unity and you want community, there ain't a person on this planet that doesn't love that big fella. Exactly. You know, they've mm-hmm. seen it. They love him for the way he plays. Mm-hmm. They love him for the way he talks. He's a gentle giant. And they love him for the impact he's made in three short years and, and in other places, too, like Colorado and Arizona and probably now in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But I have thought about him quite a bit and how they are going. We asked how they'd replace him from a leadership standpoint with before any of this on the football field. We asked how they'd replace him from a production standpoint for a team that was not so great against the run. How... Is it going to look when you take away from pro football focuses measurements, one of the best run stoppers in the game? So, but I really have thought about Calais Campbell a bunch this week, and I think what Chris Conley did this morning um, doesn't make me forget about Calais Campbell. No, without a doubt. It just makes me think, okay, there are some guys in that room that can lead in the community and on the field. And the community part of this is big. Uh, it, it's an important thing with so many young guys in that locker room. And I also think about it from Doug Marone's point of view. Who can I go talk to? Mm-hmm. Who can I get the temperature of? Who's going to be honest with me? Who's going to not be afraid to be honest with me? I think about it, Shad Khan. What did he say in his op-ed? I'm listening to the players. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to the players. We know Shad Khan interviewed some of the players about the situation they were in coming out of last season, including Calais Campbell. Maybe Conley was in that group. So, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about wearing the C or being a leader uh, for this young football team. And, you know, to, to me, a captain, obviously, it's leading by example, not only on the field, but off the field. You know, and obviously, Clayus Campbell, I mean, he did that in spades, both on the field and off the field. And sometimes to be a captain, you know, you have to do things that aren't easy. Okay. Like, for instance, I, I remember, like, Puzz was always one of the first people to show up, one of the last people to leave. Okay. I mean, I love the game of football, but I didn't want to get up at 5.30 in the morning and go watch extra film. I didn't want to go over the install with the defensive coordinator to try to game prep for a Tennessee Titans team coming into the stadium. I didn't want to do that stuff. A lot of guys don't want to do that stuff. You know why, Brent? Because that stuff's hard, man. Okay? That stuff's not easy. Um, let's be honest. To, to, to volunteer your time and your energy to noble causes, that can be hard. That can take up energy. So not only is a captain required to do the hard things on the field, in the locker room, but also in the community as well. So that's not easy. What we saw from Chris Conley today, that wasn't easy. That couldn't, That's easy for nobody. It's, it's easy for nobody to get up there, stand up in front of your entire organization, literally, while cameras are watching, while this is probably going to go all around the world, and you got to speak your piece, okay? And y- you have to speak it so it makes sense. That's not an easy thing to do. Well, Chris Conley did a great job of doing that. So once again, I mean, to bring back the point of does he earn the right to be a captain? Maybe, man. Maybe that's what it took right there. But like I said, the captain's job is to do things that aren't easy, to do things that nobody else does. And right now, Chris Conley did something that a lot of players didn't probably want to do in that locker room. I'm sure that they wanted to to speak out and voice their concerns like everybody does. 
but not everybody's capable to do it like he did. By the way, uh, another note on Chris Conley from today that I observed being there. Uh, here are the players that were, were there mm-hmm. uh, that are on the Jags roster. Josh Allen, A.J. Can, D.J. Chark, Chris, of course, Nathan Cottrell, Tyler Davis. Tell you a little story about Tyler Davis, and this is how unique this is. His first time ever to the Jags facility, at least as far as what I was told and understand, was today. Wow. Because of the pandemic. Of course. He's a rookie guy. He has not been in the facility and has not been here. He probably didn't even know where to park. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that will give you the difference. He hadn't even met some of these guys. And didn't I see kind of Chris Conley at the end when they got back towards the stadium? He was thanking everybody for coming out. And he's literally, he was saying he was thanking teammates that he's never even met before. Exactly. And that's what I was about to get into. But but here's just a list of players. Josh Dobbs was there. Terry Godwin was there. Mm -hmm. Who, by the way, was very vocal about Jake Fromm, uh, former Georgia Bulldog teammate mm-hmm. in the last couple of days. Rodney Gunter, Avery Jones, uh, Josh Lambeau, Brandon Linder, Lorente McCray, Casey McDermott, Matthew Orzek, James O'Shaughnessy, Brian Price, Tyler Shatley, Jawan Taylor, Jared Wilson, and Miles Jack all were there mm-hmm. for the Jacks. I saw many of them. Some of them I don't recognize because I don't know. We haven't met them or interviewed them yet, uh, <laughs> yeah. quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I was going to bring up that point. He called all the players together after uh Doug Marone was done uh, delivering a message and just addressed them briefly. And I, I did share a little bit of it, like 10 seconds on Twitter, but it was football and life related. It was both. It tied the two together, uh, said, hey, our goal is to win championships, uh, the, the, nothing less. And we got to start coming. There's going to be a lot on us when we all come in here. Mm-hmm. And he did start with. I don't even know any of you guys, some of you guys. I haven't met some of you guys before. Uh, it was almost like an icebreaker. Yeah. You know? it's, so it's, pretty wild scene dude, if you think about it's, it. It's extremely wild because, listen, I, I remember being that rookie, you know, and I was in awe of everything. I'm in the NFL now. Like, I'm it, – it's literally – I mean, think about it like this, Brent. You have guys who have never been in that stadium yet. And you have guys who are like kids on the first day of school who are showing up for the most important group project that they're probably ever going to do. And it's the first day of school. That's wild, man. And and once again, and it goes to show you, a guy like Chris Conley, who can kind of rally everybody at the end, rally his teammates, new and old, and bring them together and say, hey, listen, I don't know everyone yet. I probably will get to know you down the road, but like this is where we are right now, and we're united. That's awesome. Because uh, we were ready to share the the seven or eight minute speech that uh, Chris Conley shared with all of us today. And I can just tell you from being there the amount of respect that was gained for Chris and in, in his uh, being educated on the topic, his delivery, his message, his u- message of unity as well. Uh, you could see it. You could see it from teammates after. Uh, you could see it from folks in the media. You could see it from staff members and coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure he felt it. And again, I don't think that's what this was all about for Chris. I, I don't. I, I don't think this was, hey, this is my moment. Not at, not at all. Don't mix message that. Unf- if he didn't want that, well, it's it's happening for him. Yeah. He, he was a star of the morning, and now I think he will almost be kind of pushed into that role of being one of the voices for this football team on the field, in the locker room, and outside Jags headquarters. And maybe a voice for the entire NFL overall. And and maybe not a bad one. Yeah. You know, uh, here is uh, Chris Conley uh, this morning on the steps of JSO as the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars organization made a march uh, to JSO. And uh, Chris Conley, Jaguars wide receiver, said this. I'm going to try to keep this um, as short as I can. There is a wealth of a welling up of emotions 
that has swept over me the past week. Um, and uh, I'm just going to do my best to uh, keep things short, but I had to write it down because I didn't want to get up here and just just have all that emotion overflow. Um, but watching watching the events that have happened with uh, Ahmaud Aubrey and starting with Ahmaud Aubrey, the video when it got released, uh, I sat in my house upstairs in my office and I just began to cry because I saw someone who looked like me, someone who looked like my brother, someone who looked like my friends get shot down and fall on the street like an animal. And that hurt me because I've seen it time and time again. And so I forgive me if I'm long-winded, but I'm gonna get through this. The events of the last few months have culminated and shook the nation. For many opening their eyes to something the marginalized have pointed out the whole time. What I and others know is that these atrocities have been foreshadowed. They have been allowed to manifest because of years of systemic indoctrination and oppression. I urge you today, brothers and sisters, to know this history. Study it, seek it, because through it, though it may make you uncomfortable, it will lead towards change. George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. And the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said that we are not makers of history, we're made by it. We cannot allow comfortability of revisionist history to disarm our minds and weaken our convictions. A Confederate monument sits a couple blocks from here, praising the South's dark past. Our revisionist history would tell us that it's there to honor men fighting for states' rights. But true history would tell us that in the Cornerstone Address, Alexander Stevens said that our states are built on the fact that the Negro is inferior and slavery and subordination is his normal and natural state. That's true history. This monument sits a block from where the Axe Handle Saturday happened in Jacksonville. A block from it, reminding people in this city of what's happened to them. True history would remind people that not only Confederate sympathizers butchered black people in the streets, but police joined in too. Revisionist history is what allows us to believe that systemic racism isn't real or that racism isn't of itself is only isolated incidents, not instilled by government-backed segregation, not instilled by a history of bias and policing. Revisionist history is what allows people to say, yes, these things happen, but that was the past. Can't we just move on? Richard Rothstein said, let bygones be bygones isn't a legitimate wish if we wish to call ourselves a constitutional democracy. Protests like this one and peaceful protests across the country are fighting for our constitution. They're fighting for our democracy. So I plead that everyone out there would get out and they would demonstrate, they would do it peacefully. And to those people who are trying to detract from this movement, who are trying to add on and instill hate and riots, we won't let you hijack this moment. We won't let you do it. Fighting for inequality. Fighting inequality that allows 20% longer sentences on average for African-American men. Fighting inequality that allows black adolescents to be 18 times more likely to be charged as adults 
Everybody look around at the kids here, man. A black adolescent is 18 times more likely to be charged and convicted as an adult. That's what we're fighting today. We're fighting inequality that would allow this league to marginalize and to leave players in 2016 when they stood up and said that there was a problem. That's what we're here to fight today. That's what you're all here for today. Today we say no more. Today we see a nation that can't await change, a city that won't sit still or be quiet. Today I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters of every color who've rallied together to echo the cries of George Floyd, to echo the cries of Breonna Taylor, to echo the cries of Ahmaud Aubrey and the countless others like them. Today we're encouraged. Today we're emboldened. Today we know that that change will come. Today I'm surrounded by you and I pray for you that you would abound in love and knowledge and deep insight like Philippians 1.9 says. This is a marathon and not a sprint. Every woman and child and man can sustain this for more than just a moment and make sure that this is a movement. Right now, I challenge all of you to learn this history, to learn our country's true history, not so that it makes you comfortable, but so that you can be empowered to go out and make true change, so that you can go out and as they say, you can beat them at the ballot so that you can weaponize the voters in this city to get people who will truly represent each and every one of us. Voters can do this right now. Movements like this can do this right now. I wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you to my black brothers and sisters who are out here. I wanna say thank you to my white brothers and sisters who are out here. I wanna say thank you to every single child who is out here, younger person who is out here, because you're seeing an example of what the future can be. You're seeing an example of a future that's fighting for you. For you. Right now, I'm fighting for you. When I saw that video, I saw you. I saw you. I saw all you. Thank you to all of you. This is only the beginning. Don't let people rile you up. Don't let people tell you that you're not worth it. When they say Black Lives Matter, they're saying Black Lives Matter because they're hurt right now. We're not saying they matter more. And everyone here, I hope everyone here knows that. But let's show it. This is only the beginning here in Jacksonville. Let's make sure that we maintain this momentum so it's not a movement. And this is a movement. Thank you. Well, if you like speeches, that was a pretty darn good one uh, from Chris Conley. Very powerful, eloquent, uh, throw out all the adjectives. Uh, it was that. And uh, obviously something that he penned and, and thought about for a long time uh, and delivered it uh, extraordinarily well on the steps of the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office here in Duval County in Jacksonville, Florida this morning. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, he even brought up the kids, right, the the youth we have to remember the Jaguars are a young football team. Chris Conley's a veteran. He's only a 27-year-old man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a he's not 65 years old. The the history that he's uh, probably experienced, but also read about uh, and continues to read about. He later tweeted today that uh, he recommends four books mm-hmm. for folks that are not as educated as they would like to be uh, on our history and uh in black history and so 
Uh, you can check him out on, on social media as well. But I think we almost have to remind ourselves, he's a young man, man. I mean, we, we talk about a young locker room and young players, and you're seeing a lot of these young, talented players now use their platform to speak as eloquently as Chris did. Uh, we saw the NFL release a video. Uh, I'm sorry, not the NFL, uh, the Players Association, I think it was, that released the video. Uh, and it had various players delivering a message over, I want to say, about 80 seconds or so. Patrick Mahomes being one of them, the face of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes at what, age 24 or 25 years old? Yeah. You know, we're putting a lot on these young men's plate. You know, our society has kind of forced them into a situation, if you will, uh, for change and and uh, to use their platform. And you're seeing so many of them do it. We've discussed that some athletes like to do it and some others don't. Michael Jordan was not a big fan of it during his playing days. Well, he and Jordan Brand just issued a statement saying they will uh, dedicate and donate $100 million over the next 10 years yep. uh, for the cause. So... Uh, maybe not as power. He did issue a statement last week as well. So it's interesting to see Michael Jordan now on this end of it uh, at 50, what, three years old, Mm -hmm. now making statements and and, uh, donating dollars and being a champion for the cause. Not to say he wasn't before. He just might not have been as publicly as people wanted him to. Absolutely. You know, and obviously Michael Jordan um, is a guy who's very well established, um, you know, he's a guy who's been out of the game for a while now, but kind of had the resurgence with the Last Dance documentary. I mean, when you talk about guys like Chris Conley, guys like Patrick Mahomes, like you said, Brent, Patrick Mahomes is 24 years old, all right? And right now he's he's being called upon to be to be a leader to represent the Shield and the NFL players, but also just represent, you know, and be a leader of just the movement that's happening right now, all at 24 years old. And then, like, I think back to when I was 24, what was I doing? I was at Jack's Beach Bars, okay? I mean, like, yeah, sure, I, I, I'm always, I would have been down for the cause, but, like, what these guys are doing right now, um, it's it's commendable, you know, old and young, obviously. And, and just keep in mind, I, I get it. Like, like it just it really stuck out to me, you said Patrick Mahomes, because he's so young and he's already the face of, of the NFL. But, like, the, there's a reason why he is who he is. There's a reason why he's one of the best um, football players in the world right now. There's a reason why only after a couple years he's setting records that may never be broken in the next decade or so because he can handle it. Okay, and like I got the guys like Chris Conley, guys like Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, guys even coming out like Aaron Rodgers, like th- these guys can handle it, right? Because they've been under um, pressure, pressure situations, obviously on the football field. They've had that work ethic, they've had that dedication to be successful football players, and now you see them applying it um, to movements, you know, to protests, um, to spreading spreading positive messages. Well, that's just that work ethic being used for a different reason, and it's pretty cool to see. I think that was seven or eight minutes by Chris Conley that will be remembered in Jacksonville for a very long time. Uh, the Take away the receptions, the touchdowns, the yards, and anything else that happens on the field. I think people remember a very poignant moment this morning on the steps of uh, JSO. Uh, he brought up another topic that I want to get to a little bit later. I want to talk a little bit more from the sports world as we've been on uh, this topic and, and the march uh, from Jags headquarters to JSO for uh, the first 90 minutes or so of our show. I want to shift over to some sports uh, happening, some that relate to the Jaguars from a football-only standpoint uh, and, and others that are happening in our world as we head into the weekend and where do we sit with the NBA and Major League Baseball and others. But a little bit later on in the program, there's something that, I've probably been guilty of saying this week, we've probably been glossing over to a degree that 
Chris Conley said today uh, that maybe we need to reevaluate. And we've at times said that sports and locker rooms kind of bring out what we want in society. Sports can mirror society. Yeah. yeah. And especially locker rooms because of all the uh, backgrounds, uh, uh, socioeconomic uh ethnicity, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, all for a common goal to win games, right? Mm -hmm. But he said something interesting today and said, you know, that's a misleading representation of locker rooms, too, because there's plenty of racism that goes on in locker rooms Mm -hmm. along the way. Mm -hmm. So I want to visit that topic a a little bit later on in the show, because I do think that's become a little bit of a cliche thing as we talk sports, athletes, and this movement. It may be whatever movement, but especially to this one this week. And and maybe we need to steer clear of that and uh, not say, well, wait a minute now. Sometimes the locker room can also mirror real life. Sure. Uh, and uh, get your thoughts on that a little bit later on the program. But when we come back, talk a little football, talk a little Major League Baseball, talk a little NBA. What is happening in our sports world? Uh, well, nothing for a long time in terms of the scoreboard. But are we getting closer and closer? We'll give you some updates from around the sports world uh, coming up next on ESPN 690. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for hanging with us here on a Friday. You're always welcome to join the conversation on social media or 904-362-9901. Simply star star 690 as well. MLB has the ability to unilaterally impose the schedule of its liking. It's talking right now about 48 games. And we have to remember these games and the playoff games are going to be played in October. So... Uh, there's a possibility that we don't see baseball until like the beginning of August, possibly. Um, I, I, but, but that would be so cutting off your nose to spite your face with the NBA coming back on July 31st. The MLB's whole advantage in this situation was that it could come back earlier than the other sports. But uh, right now, with the sides entrenched like they are, uh, I, it's just difficult to see. You know, it's, uh, I take that back. It's not difficult to see a path. A path exists. Neither side right now, however, is willing to acknowledge that path. That's Jeff Passett, who's done a really good job uh, with the Major League Baseball story and coverage. And uh, I think I referenced earlier in the week that uh, he had this long article about what's going on with Major League Baseball and some of the positives, negatives, why the uh, disgruntled nature of the talks, why haven't they moved quicker and uh, it was really detailed. It was well done. Passon's done a, a very nice job. He's a good writer and um, obviously has been asked to, to do a lot of communicating on TV and, and in radio for ESPN. Has done a fa- fantastic job of following the ESPN stuff, uh, the Major League Baseball stuff. You know, it's really interesting how reporters become like stars in these moments, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen Jeff Passan right before. I've seen, but now he's on like every day, every hour, every and and got the latest updates. You know, much like Woj's to the NBA, and sure. uh, we have those reporters, Schefter, Schefter to the NFL. Yep. And I'm not saying Passan's there from like this inside scoop nature, but he does seem like the guy on, that's really he's, yeah he's discussing. Carrying, I mean, he's. Carrying a big stick, I guess you would say, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's bringing a lot to the table. And, and maybe it's just because I find myself on ESPN. There mm-hmm. might be others from MLB Network and, and other places, but I do find myself listening on the baseball front, at least to ESPN, yeah. uh, whether I'm seeing it on their website or, or listening to it. So a little sidebar there. Uh, are you surprised Major League Baseball 
hasn't come to some conclusion on something yet. We're now a couple weeks in. I remember maybe even two to three weeks ago, I can't remember if it was two weeks or three weeks, saying, hey, this is a big week. Yeah. And then the next week came and said, hey, this is a big week. <laughs> yeah. And here we are. I feel like this was a big week again. Mm-hmm. And, and coming off the weekend, I think the players rejected the proposal. Uh, or the owners reject the proposal of the 114 games after it went back and forth. Uh, and then the latest we saw was, hey, it's going to be a 50-game season, and they're just going to come back to that. Players come out with a statement, I think, in the last 24 hours of a little more detail about what they had proposed uh, in in totality that you know had some new initiatives attached to it, had some reasonable things if the pandemic were to cancel the entire baseball season. And bottom line is, you can give me the back and forth. We've had the discussions of is it good for the game or does this look bad on the players? Doesn't seem like anything's getting done. I'm a little surprised by that, considering every week for the last three weeks I've come in and said it's a big week for Major League Baseball. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. The fact that we haven't heard anything, Brent, it makes me a little nervous. Now, I understand right now the landscape going on. You know, there's obviously other things of importance. And maybe Major League ba- Baseball kind of feels like, hey, let's just keep things hush-hush a little bit. And let's see where we're at in in a couple weeks or so. But I'm also from the standpoint of if Major League Baseball had something positive to share, if Major League Baseball was making progress right now, they would have told us already. You know, because it's something to celebrate. Like, hey, we're, we're this close to getting the deals done. Um, get ready, baseball is coming back. You don't see those tweets, okay? You don't hear those narratives right now. So the fact that it's been pretty much all quiet right now on the Western Front makes me nervous to think that maybe you're not going to see baseball this year. Yeah, and uh, you know there is a timetable with baseball. You see, there in in basketball and even football, and you can talk about college football if you want and say, "Hey, we're going to play in the spring." I know that seems kind of far fetched and unreasonable, but they they had thrown that out there as like a last alternative to play college football even in the spring, and you could mess up the calendar and and all those. You could figure those things out. The one thing you can't figure out in baseball is it gets freaking cold in November in New York. It gets cold <laughs> up north and in. Thank gosh, Milwaukee's got the they have, they have the dome over. They have the inside of the, the roof and everything. And, and, and I don't know. Maybe you do figure out something like that where you just wouldn't play in home stadiums and doesn't yeah. even matter, and you wouldn't play up north because of the lack of fans. If there are no fans, and I guess that is an option that where you could play the season longer than anticipated anyway. But we already say board. about the World Series, we're like, my gosh, you're finishing this thing on November first, and like everybody's in. Parkers, what I wanted to say, I had to be really careful there, like Rhode Island accent guy wanted to say, Paca. <laughs> I think that's what you guys do over there, huh? That's how Pacas? we say that, yeah, okay. that's a Paca. <laughs> would, you, would you call the Wichita State Shockers, would you call them Shockers, or would you call them sho- Shockers? Oh, Shockers. Shockers? Yeah, you don't say ER, <laughs> man. Br- it's like throwing up a Shocker, like, you know, this is Shocker? The Shockers. I yeah, like it, man. That's the Shockers, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's wicked cool. I mean, I- I can't wait to go to Rhode Island someday and just see how you guys get down over there. I really, I've always said this. I should just have my buddy Pat call in like once a week. (laughs) Just to hear him talk. his own segment, man. Like He could have, believe me, he'd have a segment, except I'd just have to be a little careful of the drop button. Oh, okay. And not even for swear. He doesn't swear. I'd just be a little concerned about what he might say. Yeah, Pat's stats where he calls in and gives an interesting (laughs) stat about a player. I like it, man. Let's go. Uh, But but anyway, you know, I do think time frame wise, the weather does factor in depending on what they want to do, especially because the initial thought was to go play in home stadiums with or without fans. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just shocked that Major League Baseball 
isn't further along. Uh, the NHL has released more information on their format. Uh, we now know what the NBA looks like and, and really have specifics about even playing on every other day during the finals and what it could look like in five or six games a day. All those things we discussed that the last couple of days. Golf is getting back. NASCAR's already back. UFC has gone from UFC 249 to UFC 250 this weekend yep. from Jacksonville to Vegas. And now this will be, what, their fourth event yep. uh, back? And here we are, Major League Baseball, who could be primed to be taking advantage of this opportunity in late June or in, let's even just say around the 4th of July. We need and content. have this free month. We need live sports, bro. You know, you mm-hmm. know, you know, like at the start of some seasons, they give you the free month on HBO sure. or, or free month of the pa- extra innings Hulu. package. Who has live sports? What live sports right now? Hulu? Nothing. This is the free mo- This is like the free month coming up in July of baseball exposure. Yeah. And Major League Baseball saying, nah, I don't want want it yeah you're right i don't want it you're right you're gonna give me free hbo for a month nah don't want it free showtime nope free pack free nfl package yeah. nope thanks yeah, I mean, anyway don't want it let's be honest let me pay for it well, instead it's not like you'd watch the shows i suggest you to watch anyway so i'm not worried about the hbo <laughs> stuff but you're absolutely right and who does the mlb think it is right now to say no we don't need it we're fine we're all good baseball's been more popular than ever oh i'm sorry has it has it right now because guess what the NFL is still king. The NBA is making progress. Where's Major League Baseball right now? Like, I don't think you should have the audacity to say, we're not going to take that free month like you put it, Brent, because baseball is fine where it's at. I beg to differ. How much, uh, you're, you know, you're a closet baseball fan. I am. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, I'm a closet diehard Brewers fan, but I'm also a baseball fan in general. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, you, one of the things you surprised me on the show with is your baseball knowledge. Like, oh, getting, getting into this. Yeah. Over, like, I didn't think that would be the case. I mean, yeah. I found that early on. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, you like baseball. I like, do. you don't really follow golf, admittedly. Yeah, yeah. But baseball, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, so, like, mm-hmm. how, my question is. Like, I'm a baseball guy. Like that's not this. I, I will say this. Admittedly, I'm a baseball guy. But quite frankly, I'd rather watch Ty play baseball and Kaylee play softball than the Red Sox or Yankees play. Wow. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. that's what I I want to go see the little league. No fields. comment on my son's t-ball games, but okay. I don't care going. about the t-ball games. I really <laughs> just want to watch my kids play ball. No, I got you. Um, I'm just kidding so, too. I watch watch my son play t-ball. <laughs> and and I think a lot bad. of people, by the way, want to see that. Like they just and, and that's yeah. happening. Yeah. So yeah. like that's kind of my fix. What I was gonna say is. I don't watch every Red Sox game. Mm. I, I don't watch every game out there. Sure. Now, we are baseball fans in our house, so we do have baseball on. Like, Ty likes the Rays. He'll put the Rays on. He can see every game. Yeah. And so we have baseball kind of on in the background mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'd be lying to you if I sat here and said, oh, man, I just miss. I watch those games every single night. And that's not the case. Yeah. But I ask this question sincerely. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get to, like, August – and we don't have baseball. We haven't seen a real baseball game like that's from 2020. Yeah. Outside of the Korean baseball organization. Yeah. Which I didn't How watch. How much will you really miss? That? Like, will you miss that? I mean, will it feel like there's an empty spot of something that you're used to for the last however long you've been watching? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how society as a whole feels about it, but I can just go off of how I feel about it, okay? And you said it. I am I am a closet baseball fan, and I'm even more of a diehard Milwaukee Brewers fan, okay? There's a reason why I have a giant old-school logo of the Milwaukee Brewers tattooed on my back, because they mean that much to me. And to me, baseball, Brent, it's like, it's nostalgia, okay? 
um, as a kid, I didn't go to a lot of Brewer games, but I remember, you know, being six, seven years old, riding with my grandpa in his beat up truck, driving back from his sawmill. It's probably seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night in Wisconsin, you know, and we're in the country and it's just the windows are rolled down, everything like that. And you turn on the game and you hear Bob Euchre, you know, and you just, you, you hear, um, the genius, you just hear the, the audible gold that is Bob Euchre. And like, that was my childhood. That's something that I always tie back to my memories. And the older I got, the older I got, you know, when I got to high school, I mean, then friends would get together and we'd all have our sunflower seeds. And, you know, one of my friends would have the, the Brewers package and we'd sit down as much as we could in the summertime and watch as many Brewers games as possible. Like that was our way of hanging out. Some kids, you know, play cards. We watch Brewers games. So like, that's always been there for me. And it's just, I don't know, like, you know, when you talk about, like, the home run derby and even the all-star game, like, it just, it feels like summer. It's just, it's a feeling that it's hard to put into words, um, but that's a, that's a, a kind of like that nostalgia coming back again. And I'll be honest with you, right now, like, have I missed baseball? Probably not, because I guess I'm so naive where I think, yeah, it's going to come, it, it'll be back next week. It'll be like, I guess I'm to the point right now where, you know, I'm just, I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant to thinking baseball is going to be there. I'm like, yeah, baseball, they're, they're going to figure it out. They're always, I mean, come on. It's professional sports. Everything's coming back. We see it on the news. We see it on the internet. Like, baseball will come back. So, like, right now where I stand, do I miss baseball? No, not necessarily. Now, am I bitter because Washington won the World Series and stole that game from the Milwaukee Brewers in that wild card game? <laughs> so bitter about it, but that's okay. But my point is, it hasn't sunk in quite yet. But if it's July 4th or it's the middle of July, you know, and people are having cookouts and, and then there's fireworks going off and things like that, and all of a sudden there's not a home run derby, there's not an all-star game, we're not talking about, man, are the, the, the Brewers going to win the division? What about the Cardinals? Man, those Cubs are coming up from behind. If I can't have those conversations in July, it's going to hit me hard. Yeah, I, I think our our clock around, there are a couple of times, right, April, if you're a really big fan because it's like, okay, that's spring, baseball's mm-hmm. supposed to start coming out of spring training. I think uh, Memorial Day weekend feels like it for me. Uh, we celebrated Jacksonville baseball around that time. It just feels like baseball because I, I feel like there are a bunch of games on Monday, like yeah. at 1 o'clock or even 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but then that next time frame is right around the 4th of July, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and the All-Star game, I mean, I, they're not even going to have any of that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. the just the playing of baseball around the 4th of July feels like a thing. It does. Uh, and it's, it's, it's apple pie. It is. You know? So it's... Um, it's going to be really weird if we get to that stage. And I'm not saying just July 4th, but if we get mm-hmm. to football season and haven't really seen a, a baseball pitch thrown. What are the thought on this, on baseball? Should they, if they continue to have struggles, should players try to organize something that would maybe resemble a home run derby? Hmm. Much like in golf, the way... Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler did their thing. And then, of course, Tiger and Phil did their thing. Kind of like the NBA did with the horse thing, which, yeah, yeah take, it, take it for what you want. But, but, the, but, but they tried to do something. The difference being, I think the NBA was real supportive of that. Like, that's something they kind of helped along, I believe. Okay. I, I'm thinking it was. I'm sure it was. Uh, I would say if I'm the MLBPA, yeah. if I'm the players, I say if I'm Mike Trout, if I'm, I say, hey, guys, let's. Yeah, you know, let's give our fans something. 
I like it. You know, and, and by the way, from a perception standpoint, it would come across like, hey, these owners don't want to get something done, but we want to play. It's not going to hurt the sport of baseball if you do that. It, There's no way. And so somebody's going to sign up for that, too, right? I mean, you could get 12 players. You could get 24 players. You could have a home run derby, yeah. and you could see, man, I miss Mike Trout. I miss Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen those guys. Where are they? I know you're going to exclude pitchers in this, but that's fine. I mean, chicks dig the long ball, right, people? <laughs> uh, so somebody broadcasts at ESPN or, or yeah. wherever. And maybe from a uh, – like if I was Scott Boris, I'd yeah. be trying to organize something like that soon if you don't think you're going to get back because that would kind of thumb the nose at at yeah. Major League Baseball and say, this is your problem. We're ready to go. I would like it, man. I and mean, it also would give the fans something. Yeah, nice. I, I mean, and that's exactly the point. It, it would give us something to watch, okay? It would give us maybe just even the, the smidge bit of nostalgia. Like I said, right now I'm sitting here, you know, and – I'm okay, but once July comes around and I start fiending, I start needing my fix, hopefully something's going to be there, because I'm to the point, I mean, I'm telling you right now, when we get to July, I'll be to the point where I'm going to write Christian Yelich and say, hey, can you just please play my friend's beer league softball game, and I'll go watch you there, because I want to see, you know, I want to see my heroes, I want to see the guys that I'm fans of have success, so um, I just hope something comes around from it, but it's a great idea on your part. Yeah, I might organize it myself, and by the way... Uh, I need something else because I'm sick of tired of seeing the 1986 New York Mets uh, win the World Series. I feel like they've shown that like five million times. Do we <laughs> have, have to see the ball one. go through Billy Buckner's <laughs> legs one more time? <laughs> I mean, do we really dude. need to see that? Yeah, yeah. I feel better because there's been some championships since. But do we need to see that <laughs> again? I mean, the Mets stink anyway. I know. How many times are we going to see 86? Brent, I mean, on top of the – they have the Yankees, but on top of like the Knicks, you know, the Giants, the Jets, let New York fans have something right now okay yeah, they, no. they they need no okay i'm like they need something i hope they're healthy i hope they're happy sure but, but i don't need to give nothing. them anything when it comes to the yankees you, you get nothing or aliens okay All sports right. related that's that's brent, uh, that's at brent as tracks by the way everybody at twitter uh the jaguars versus some of the bottom feeders of the t of the nfl on the field and COVID-19 tests in college football. Alabama has five positives. Florida has none. What does it all mean? Talk a little football in the final hour here on a Friday. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.